Dan Bongino. They've been tweeting to me, Bongino's a nut, Bongino's a blanker, blanker. The Dan Bongino Show. Everywhere big government gets bigger, corruption grows bigger, and these liberals just keep going on and on and on about how great big government is, and they can't prove to you any examples of how wonderful big government is almost anywhere. Get ready to hear the truth about America. Young kids, you are too stupid to figure out your health insurance needs, so we're going to hammer your cabooses to death until you figure out that the government knows what's best and you're an idiot. On a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Renegade Republican with Dan Bongino. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hanging in there, Dano. Hanging in. Hey, so my wife and kids made it back yesterday from Maryland, all safe and sound. No problem. They didn't run out of gas, but, uh, you know... Funny thing with my five-year-old. She is, uh, gosh, I love her to death, Amelia. She's so cute. She's on the plane. They took Spirit Airlines on the way back, uh-huh. which is a no-frills airline. You yeah. know, you pay for a seat. That's it. You're not getting anything. No drinks, no nothing. So uh, uh, they, they were on the way back, and my five-year-old is like, uh, you know, she's used to, she's in, uh, in in school, and they do, they do snack time. <laughs> and she's used to flying on a plane. She goes, uh, and there was no snacks. She was mommy. She wakes up. She was sleeping. My five year old. She's mommy. Did I miss snack time? She was so. She you know snack time on a. That's how kids think. That's how kids yeah. snack time on a plate. I love it. They're almost like liberals. It's funny. Like they, <laughs> they just expect things to happen. Gosh, I love her. I couldn't. I couldn't get out of my. Like your kids are so cute. You just want to like hug them and they're so uh, mommy. Did I miss snack time? All right. Um, a lot to get to. So much going on. Um, so we have more eight-minute abs, Joe. Um, no. Eight-minute abs. Yes, it's happening again. Shout out to the Wall Street Journal for uh, bringing it up. Is it James Freeman over there? How liberals, how their how their constant eight-minute abs sales pitches about free stuff are blowing up in their face. We covered this a couple weeks ago in the eight-minute abs show, which I strongly encourage you to listen to. <laughs> but, Joe, it's happening again. Uh-huh. Now, the gist of that, for those of you who missed that show, is that the liberals for so long have been selling us on nonsensical things like eight-minute abs, which you're never... Remember the video? You know, eight-minute abs. <laughs> you can get abs in training eight minutes. Something that is impossible and is never going to happen. That liberals have been doing it so so long that other liberals can now upend the eight minute abs people by saying, look, I'm going to do seven minute abs and six minute abs. And, you know, my, my cop friend, uh, uh, who called me recently and said, you missed the point of that, that eight minute abs thing from something about Mary. The funniest part is that the guys like when, when Ben Stiller tells him, well, why not six minute abs? He's like, you can't do abs in six minutes. (laughs) Like the whole point of the thing is that selling videos, which the liberals do, in selling policies like eight minute abs, which are impossible, encourages people to one up you on more impossible stuff because you're never telling people the truth. So the truth doesn't matter. So interesting piece today in in Politico, otherwise known as Boltico, because, you know, they rarely, if ever, tell the truth on anything. But an interesting piece, nonetheless, I saw uh, about uh, what they're what they're calling now the Teflon Don. Hmm. Talking about Donald Trump. Right. Now, that Teflon Don's been used for many people, including uh, John Gotti in New York when he kept getting a- a- away from criminal prosecution from the feds. But one of the things that's confounding Dems, Joe, and this was a really, really fascinating piece, I got to tell you. It's something I think you and I kind of alluded to quite a bit is that the- nothing the Democrats are doing right now is working. Like Trump's approval, yeah, it isn't sky high right now. I mm-hmm. get it. I mean, the Republican Party's been a total disaster, a sham. They can't get anything right. They can't repeal Obamacare. You know, they're floundering on the tax cuts. It's just uh, kind of a disgrace right now, the the swamp Republicans. But nothing that's going on against Trump is working. And the Democrats are, are flummoxed. They're perplexed. They don't know what's going on. They've tried Russia. 
They've tried impeachment. They've tried the Maxine Waters approach. They've tried the Hillary Clinton approach. Nothing's working, Joe. Like Trump's base is still there. And generally speaking, the Democrats' approval ratings aren't going anywhere either. And folks, I'm not redoing an old show here. I'm just telling you how much I love the eight-minute abs analogy. It's there. This is the reason why. There's a reason all of this is happening. And, and what the why matters here. So the why I'm trying to get to is why seemingly after everything that's gone on with Trump, all of the Democrats just disingenuous attacks, Trump, Russia, yeah, the, you know, the Trump impeachment, mm-hmm. Trump is stupid, Trump is this, Trump is a white supremacist, yeah. Trump is a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Why is none of this working and why aren't the Democrats approval ratings going up correspondingly and why aren't their chances and and. You know, in some areas, isolated areas, they are. But overall, they aren't. Why is none of this working? And the reason is the eight-minute abs thing. And it's a fascinating piece because it describes, Joe, some facts and data, which is rare for Politico, Hmm. but things we like in the show. And they're doing some focus group data and some surveys. And what they're finding out, Joe, Mm -hmm. is that the eight-minute abs approach is failing grotesquely. The Democrats' major party platforms, things that they think they're going to run on to beat Donald Trump and the Republicans, Joe, are falling flat on their face. So they go through a number of things. Free college, free health care, and I'm free is how I'm, I'm framing it, how, how they, you know, they're, they're asking it in the survey. Right. Obviously, nothing's free. But free college, free health care, minimum wage, um, they're, they're open borders, immigration stuff, and it's not polling well at all. Mm-hmm. It's not even polling well, Joe. Here's the kicker. It's not even polling well with Democrats. Mm. Like even Democrats are starting to believe it. And the reasons given often, they don't think it's going to happen. People know it's a lie. Amen and abs. They know it's BS. (laughs) They try. Now, folks. The eight-minute abs thing, right? If eight-minute abs worked, if you bought that video and everybody was walking around with the six-pack of abs, then why is an eight-minute abs still a thing? The reason is because people bought it like liberals bought all this nonsense years ago about minimum wage was going to increase wages when it didn't. You know, Obamacare was going to save health care when it didn't. Right. You know, public schools were going to save education when it didn't. The government giving student loans was going to lower the cost of college for people when it didn't. People bought the eight minute abs just like it bought the policies and they found out that it didn't work. So they're not believing it anymore. So the polling data is fascinating. And, you know, for those of you who. This, I know this may sound like kind of a pessimistic story, but I don't think you should take it that way. I think this is a very optimistic story about how for as much as sometimes we look at liberal voters and Democrat voters and we say, oh, my gosh, they're destroying the country. They're killing us here with all this crap policies. Mm. It's good to know that at least on an individual level, but policy wise, Joe, free college, free health care, minimum wage, you're starting to get it. That this stuff is all chimerical. It's all nonsense. It's fairy tales. It's Teddy Ruxpin stories. It's made up. And it was interesting that this appeared in in Politico because Politico is a left wing rag. It's, you know, it's a nonsense outfit. But the fact that Politico wrote this piece, you know, folks, this should be this is kind of a good sign. I I say this to the loyal conservatives and libertarians out there and even the good Republicans, not the swamp rats. But this is a good sign that Americans are generally we're we're more politically astute people than I think a lot of a lot of people in the media give us credit for. Mm hmm. The eight-minute abs thing is not working. Now, why do I bring that up today? I mean, I did this show before. But one, I saw the story. But secondly, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, a little bit worried. So that was the optimistic note. The optimistic note is even Democrats are waking up that free stuff isn't free. And what, by the way, one of the common questions asked by the focus group people asked about free college mm-hmm. was, well, who's going to pay for it? 
Well, if you're asking that about free college, you've obviously <laughs> not accepted the premise, Joe, that it's free. Right. If you're asking who's going to pay for it, when someone gives you something free, air quotes, you, you assume that it is without cost to you. When someone says who's going to pay for it, that means even Democrats are wising up to this nonsense. I bring this up today because here's what I re- I just kind of threw that in at the last minute, right? As I was prepping for the show, Joe got caught in some traffic and I saw this political piece. I'm like, all right, I should throw that in quick to give people a little note of optimism. Here's the pessimistic note for the show. This is what I wanted to start off with. I'm a little worried. Single payer, single payer healthcare, in other words, government run healthcare is going to turn into, mark my words, remember the beautiful thing about podcasting is this will all be recorded and people will go back and in 2020, when I'm still doing this in -hmm. the presidential election cycle, someone's going to listen to this show and I guarantee you we're going to be right. The signature issue for the Democrats in 2020 is going to be single-payer health care. Something that Democrats in the United States traditionally ran from. Not liberals. Liberals always love single-payer. But Democrats overall always ran from government-run health care. Because Americans are a very independent, entrepreneurial people, Democrats included. They do not want the government controlling their health care. They just don't. They don't mm-hmm. mind a safety net, Joe. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't mind, obviously, uh, Democrats I'm talking about, not Republicans. Yeah. They certainly don't mind a government footprint in health care. But they definitely don't want government-controlled health care. It's never polled well. It's never done well. We're just different in America. We're an entrepreneurial-minded, independent-minded people. We do not want the government controlling our health care. Nobody likes it. As I've always said, you don't like going to the DMV for your driver's license, but all of a sudden people have no problem with a government bureaucrat, uh, what, dictating how your chest is going to get cracked open in the event of a heart attack? Mm. (laughs) No good. (laughs) Eight minute abs. Don't think so. Don't want it. So it's never pulled well. That's changing. Now, why is that changing? Because there has been a dramatic shift in the Democrat Party base. The base of the party, Joe, which was largely composed in the past of Bill Clinton Democrats, more moderate types. Mm -hmm. When you look at the polling data, that switched. It used to be liberals were roughly about 20 to 30 percent of the base of the Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. That is now switched. Liberals, far left liberals are now between, depending on the polling data, you look at 35 and 45 percent, and they're starting to outnumber moderates. Now, what does that mean? And what does this have to do with government controlled health care in the 2020 election and why this has become a big issue? Well, when you're the base of the party, Joe, who turns out in primaries? Mm. The base, the most active people in the party, the base. So, yeah, the base, the base of the party turns out Mm -hmm. when you're running a presidential primary, that presidential primary for the Democrats and the Republicans. But let's stick with the Democrats for now. The only people in the majority of states who can vote in a Democrat primary are Democrats. Right. And in primaries, which are not clearly general elections where you just get to pick the candidate who runs in the general The people who turn out, this is all fact-based, database stuff. The people who turn out in large proportions, Joe, are the most active Democrats. The most active Democrats, follow me for a second here, are usually people in the base. The base, the active four-by-four voters. In other words, having run for office, you you know, you you deal with these kind of numbers all the time. In other words, people who voted in the last four primaries and last four generals. Super active voters. Those also happen to be now, Joe, liberals. Mm. Whereas in the past, they were moderates. So now the calculation in 2020 by these major party presidential candidates, the Democrats and um, uh, by the, the, uh, the Democrats, not the major parties, I should say, by the Democrats, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, the, uh, um, uh, the senator from California, they are going to be candidates most likely for president 2020 again, Elizabeth Warren, 
they are going to be running on a single-player government-run platform because they are going to need those voters that are now showing up in greater proportions in Democrat primaries to win the presidential nomination. Folks, this is a big deal. Single-payer would be a disaster for the United States. So in an effort to, and and just so you know, because I always relate the show to current events, this is not, although it seems at times, some of our older shows were, this is not an evergreen show which is a media term for shows that are, you know, you can do now that are good five years from now. So if we like did a show on gun control, you could listen to it five years from now. But that's not what this show is designed to be today. I'm bringing this up today because Bernie Sanders is getting ready to introduce a single payer health care bill in the United States Senate. This is a big deal. I know it's not getting major coverage, but it's going to and it is going to become a litmus test. For right. Democrats to get the 2020 nomination. Where do you stand, Miss Harris, on single payer? I think it's great. This is going to be it. And as one um, journalist said, forgive me, I can't remember who it was. It's going to become the repeal and replace for the Democrats. In other words, if you ran for office mm. in the last three or four mm-hmm. election cycles, Joe, mm-hmm. and you didn't want to repeal Obamacare, you were not getting the Republican nomination. Right. On the other side, this is what's going to happen with the Dems. Are you for Bernie Sanders single payer bill? You better say yes if you want those liberals to show up. But, folks, this is a disaster. You're going to hear your college professors talking about it. You're going to hear the media talk about it. And you have to go into this debate armed with the facts. Because what they are going to come back with, Joe, is what they hit you with every single time. Well, you don't care about poor people? You don't care? You want them to die? (laughs) You want want people to die? You throw granny off a cliff? They don't remember. Liberals don't have anything. They don't. I'm sorry. They don't have anything. I'm sure some have uh, care about people. Um, most of them just care about control and power. Yeah. But they do, they ne- they never, ever come to a debate on the facts. And I, I heard Ben Shapiro on Fox this morning, and he made a great point, which I've heard him make before, that the reasons liberals are such poor debaters, and folks, they are. I'm telling you, I do talk radio all the time, fill in for Levin and Hannity, and I always leave a line open for liberals because it's it's just so, I mean, it's just so easy. I mean, Joe, you've been in talk radio like your entire adult yeah. life, right? Seriously, I, I mean, a serious question for you. Yeah. Have, have, do you remember a liberal ever calling in and winning a debate with Tom Marr or no, Sean no. or anyone? Now, I mean, Joe's been in, how long have you been in radio? 20 years? Gee, easily, yeah. So he's probably listened to 10,000 liberal yeah. phone calls <laughs> over the years. And Tom Marr, God rest his soul, was a conservative host at, CB, at CBM. And uh, Sean and Frank do the morning show. Yeah. I listen to it when I live up there. I still listen to it now in the app sometimes. And it's interesting because... They, liberals call in all the time, and they never win an argument. When you hit them with the facts, where do they go? Because you, Joe, and one of Shapiro's other lines is facts yeah. don't care about your feelings, and they just don't. There you go. So when liberals call in and they say things like, you know, well, you don't care about old people, and you hit them with facts about how single-payer actually hurts older people, mm-hmm. their only response is, well, uh, you're a racist, and then <laughs> they hang up the phone. That was I mean, it, yeah. And, and some, I've, I've challenged some very smart people on talk radio. Right. So- I am going to arm you with some facts. Now, Peace in the Wall Street Journal, I'll put in the show notes. Thank you for all the people, by the way, subscribing to my show notes and my email list at Bongino.com. It's growing uh, dramatically now, so thank you. I will email you every day with the show notes and the podcast. So these are articles I find, which I think are terrific, that'll have these facts in them. So don't worry about taking notes during the show if you want to remember this stuff. I'll send it right to you. So this is how, these are facts from William Galston at the Wall Street Journal today, and a bit of an older piece in April of 2017 from Candace Malcolm at National Review, but really good pieces on both single payer and Canada. And the reason I'm using Canada, although to be fair, single payer exists in a lot of 
wealthy countries all around the world. You have, you know, you have United Kingdom, obviously. You have most of Europe um, where single payer dominates. I'm using Canada specifically in an example of the single payer government run healthcare failure for for one reason. Mm-hmm. It's the when you want to generate a sample size, Joe, that replicates the real world. So if I want to see if a drug works, mm-hmm. say you know a drug for cholesterol, mm-hmm. I want to generate an experimental group of say 500 people. I'm going to give the drug to, but I want that group to be representative of what the United States would look like or the world in general, so that I can generalize those results. So I don't pick a pocket of people who are whatever, um, you know, Asian American or black or Hispanic or or white from it. You don't want to do that. You want to pick people with various genetic makeups so that you can generalize the applicability of the results. Right. Sure. The reason I'm picking Canada is the same reason, although it's not a a direct correlate, obviously, the United States. The only thing that represents the United States is the United States. And we don't have single payer. So it's impossible to run an experiment. Canada is obviously in North America, and it's the closest experiment we got, and it shares a border with us, obviously, up north. I mean, this is, these aren't, you know, this is nothing dramatic here, but it's the best we have of what single payer would look like in the United States. Okay. That's the reason I'm using Canada. Right. So first, from the Galston piece, some facts about single payer in case you're perplexed and you believe the liberal narrative that this is somehow a panacea and we're going to save old people and puppies and dogs and kids and everybody's going to go to the doctor whenever they want and it's going to be great and it's going to be free and everybody's going to be healthy and nobody's going to get cancer or Alzheimer's and the doctor and you are going to sing down and sit down and rub each other's backs and roast marshmallows and tell each other medical stories. <laughs> if you believe that, I've got a bridge over the uh over the lagoon here in palm city i'll sell to you super cheap right now so here's some facts from the galston piece this was tried in vermont vermont which is a state in the united states for you liberals out there vermont is a state (laughs) vermont (laughs) tried this vermont is a deep blue state by the way run by democrats so you would think if single payer health care was ever going to work and be supported by a large group of people it would happen in a deep blue state where a large group of people are liberal and liberals liberals tend to support single payer they're not democrats not overall democrats but liberals do mm-hmm. so joe this should work seamlessly in vermont well vermont tried this or actually i didn't institute it but they did some studies on what it would take to institute single payer where in other words where if you live in vermont you're a resident of the state of vermont health care is free joe and as pj o'rourke said if you think government health if you think health care is expensive now wait till it's free so Vermont tried this and found out that they would need a payroll tax, a payroll tax, meaning like a Social Security, Medicare tax, like a FICA tax you get on your pay stub now. You would need additional payroll tax of 11.5%. So if you make a uh, 100,000 a year, you're upwards of between uh, between six and ten thousand dollars a year in uh, in in additional taxes in Vermont, depending on how they how they institute it. That's really nice. It's supposed to be free. (laughs) No, it's free, Joe. It's just free. It's only going to cost you thousands of dollars, of course. But that's the definition of free. When you're a liberal, you don't want to do any additional homework. They found out that the income tax hike, they'd have to hike the income tax by nine point five percentage points. Just to make this thing work, and it this Joe, this one's a killer. This is free. This is how this is how expensive free <laughs> stuff is. Free. It gets better. <laughs> they found out that it would increase the Vermont state budget by forty five percent. Wow, that's no bad. That's really cheap and free. That's really cheap for free stuff. It increased the state budget by forty five percent. The thing flopped immediately. It flopped immediately. Now from the Galston piece, 
Another data point. And, and the liberals, again, don't let any of these facts and data get in the way of your argument that this is not going to cost anybody anything, that it's free. <laughs> that, Joe, is that not the definition of free without cost? <laughs> free, like, yes, it, that's free. It, I mean, <laughs> folks, do me a favor. Someone out there, we, I never like want uh, you know free stuff or anything, but if someone has a spare dictionary running around, can you send it to Armacost, like an older <laughs> dictionary? And we can, we'll label, like we have Jay's abacus, Jay who sent us the abacus yeah. to do math for liberals. We're going to need a dictionary for liberals as well. We'll name it after you. Go ship it to Joe's. We'll, we'll give you like the station address or something. And you can just put your name on the front, whatever your name is, Donnie or, or Joey Bag of Donuts. And we'll go to Joey Bag of Donuts dictionary and I'll say, Joe, can you please, you're going to have to earmark the page, Joe, because we're yeah. going to go back to it often. We're going to go back to the F's and we're going to put it free and I'm going to Joe go back and please read the definition of free I guarantee you it says something meaning without cost (laughs) now for something without cost this is pretty damn expensive for something designed to cost you nothing that's just incredible it's like walking in a furniture store right and go man Look at that, uh, what, ottoman? Is that a word? I'm not even like, I'm not a furniture guy. Like, I've, I've first seen that, I think, what is an ottoman? Is that uh, a, well, a, it was an empire. Yeah, yeah, I know the Turks, but, and I mean, but I'm not like a, a, a furniture It's a piece dude. of furniture you put your feet up on, I think. Yeah, yeah, the feet thing. All right, so you go in there, you go, <laughs> the ottoman, a guy goes, so you see a sign outside that says, free ottoman, right? Now, yeah. this is called the bait and switch, which you would probably be arrested for if you actually did this, but free ottoman. So you walk in, you're like, you want to throw your dogs up on something, and you're like, Hey, um, I got my truck out back. Can I take that free ottoman? They're like, oh, that'll be 10 grand. Wait, I thought you said it was free. It is. It's free when you give me $10,000. Like, dude, dude, that's not free. Like free means I, it, it's without cost. No, it is without cost. After you give me the 10 grand. Like, th- th- this is, a, if you're a liberal listening, does this ever bother you? Like, does it ever bother you that what you say makes absolutely no sense at all? That the word, fr- that, that people who say free healthcare that it, it's 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 a it's a bait and switch of the worst of the worst kind because it, you're relying on one of two things, you're assuming that a number one, you know, it's it's either one or two things. You're not assuming mm. anything. Number one, you're just you're just a liar. You're just a lie. You're just lying to me. You you have to know it's not free. Or number two, you're really not smart. So you're either lying to people about it being free, or you're really not smart enough to figure out that when people have to pay a large amount of money for something, that it's not free. So. Moving on, because I, I just get frustrated and I start losing my marbles yeah. on liberals. Uh, from the Galston piece as well, uh, Bernie Sanders proposed Medicare for all or single payer system, which you know sounds cute. Medicare for it's government run healthcare, folks. They, you know, suckers believe in single payer because you're the payer and the government controls everything. Like you're getting totally suckered. Instead of you paying and controlling your own healthcare, you're paying even more and you're giving your healthcare over to the government. A study by the Urban Institute, no bastion of far-right values, by the way, this is a left-leaning think tank, found out that it would cost $2.5 trillion in federal spending the first year this was implemented. Holy Moses, that expensive ottoman. Eight-minute abs. Eight-minute abs, folks. $2.5 trillion in the first year. The entire federal budget's $4 trillion. And we're still about, what, a half a trillion in debt every year? So we're spending $4 trillion. We're between $500 billion and $300 billion in debt every single year. We have $20 trillion in accumulated liabilities and national debt. And in the first year alone, you're going to add $2.5 trillion more plus the $500 billion you're going to be short anyway. So you're talking about $3 trillion in debt in the first year to pay for a free program. <laughs> Joe. No. Joe. Yes. Mm. 
So we go into Joey Bag of Donuts Furniture for the free ottoman. Okay. And now we go in there. We we pull up on my Ford Raptor in the back. We're like, hey, Joey, can you roll that in, baby? Roll that ottoman in. I'm here for my free ottoman. Yes, no problem. Cut me a check for 10000 bucks. I thought you said it was free. It is. Give me my 10000 Then you go home and you find out that, okay, you bought the ottoman, you borrowed the $10,000, and you already owe $20,000. So the free ottoman, and, and, and on top of the 20000 you already owe to your credit card, costs you $10,000 more, which you're going to pay interest on. So the free ottoman ultimately is going to bankrupt you. It's amazing how free does that when you're a liberal. Man. We don't even have the money now. And you want to spend almost the entire federal budget on a program that's supposed to be free? This is insane. Folks, this is the definition of insanity. You have to be a total sucker to believe this. All right, I want to move on. to. I didn't even got to Canada yet because Canada actually has a single-payer healthcare system. And I want to give you some examples from this. And I got a couple other things I want to get through, so I'm going to move along quick. But um, today's show brought to you by Brickhouse Nutrition. Thanks again for all the positive feedback. I know I say that a lot, folks, but I'm, I'm not kidding when I tell you that our audience has grown substantially. And uh, you supporting my sponsors means a lot. We're very careful with who we take on as a sponsor. Um, Joe and I use the products. We like the products. It's yep. really good stuff. Brickhouse has been with us from the beginning. They have two products that I really enjoy. They have Foundation and Dust to Dawn. You know, today I'm going to uh, give them a, a plug for Foundation because I talk about Dawn to Dusk a lot, which is an energy product. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in just looking better, feeling better, and having more energy as well, especially in the gym, Foundation's a great product. It works differently than Dawn to Dusk. Dawn to Dusk is an energy type product. It's a time-release energy product that's great. We get tons of feedback. But Foundation, if you're a recreational you know, uh, gym goer, if you're a gym rat, a mixed martial arts guy, a boxer, weightlifter, crossfitter, cop, fireman, military person, and you're looking for a little bit of energy in the gym to get past those the sticking marks and you want to look better, there's no, no one's beating his pride. Quick story. He didn't give me permission to share it, but he won't care. I won't use his name. Uh, my nephew is a good guy, and he was down in uh, – he lives in down in South Florida – so I get miles from Brickhouse Nutrition sends me bottles of this stuff. Right. I had a few extra bottles laying around the house. So he, he lifts weights and I said, hey, daddy, yo, give this a shot. I kid you not. He wanted, he, he was taking a trip up north. He goes, hey, can I stop at your house for more of that stuff? It's amazing. <laughs> Just do the mirror test. Try the stuff. It's called foundation. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Give it about seven days to work and then look in the mirror after seven days. You'll be impressed. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Give foundation a shot. Okay. Back to Canada here. This is an article. I'm getting this data from National Review. Candace Malcolm. It's a good piece. I have uh, I have bookmarked, actually. I read it a while ago, but I thought this is a good time to bring it up. I'll put it in the show notes today. A couple months old, but no less relevant now. Canada is a great example for us, again, because they're our northern neighbors, and we share a lot in common, including a border. Mm-hmm. So a study by uh, the Fraser Institute, which, again, these aren't like right-wing think tanks by any stretch, found out that free... Free, again, there's that term. We, we're going to need that dictionary. Free health care up in Canada. Uh, with that, uh, 52,000 Canadians a year, based on a study or that they know about, uh, flee, with an L, not free, flee Canada to come to the United States for health care. So let me get this straight. The healthcare system is so free and so great in Canada when the government pays for it and runs it that 52,000 Canadians a year, which is the ones we know about, by the way, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are more paying in cash who are not subjected to this, you know, don't fall in the studies, the the, the studies customer survey base there, whatever it may be. 52,000 Canadians a year are fleeing Canada to get away from free healthcare to pay again. 
in addition to the taxes they pay in Canada from the United States. I, and, and to the liberal kooks, because I already know the resp- I know it. I had a big argument with Twitter with a, with a guy, on Twitter with a guy over this. He's actually a good guy. This guy's showing up in Maryland, but he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to healthcare. His point was that, oh, that's only the rich people doing it. One, that's not actually right. If you, uh, if you read the piece in the show notes, mm-hmm. the study points out conclusively, Joe, that it's actually a lot of middle class people as well. But mm-hmm. let's play the liberals game for a minute. Let's say for a second those 52,000 people fleeing free health care in Canada. Remember, they've already paid for it in their taxes. And they're now paying again in the United States to get actual health care. Let's assume they are all rich. Joe, do you see the problem here? Like, how does that make your point? Yeah. So let me get this straight. Healthcare sucks so bad in Canada, free healthcare, that only rich people can escape it. And that's the system. Let me get this straight. That's the system you want here. Even if your point was accurate, which it's not, and I'll, you, I'll send you the piece in the show notes, read it yourself. It links to the study. I, again, but Libs, I, I know that hurts. Like facts and data are like, uh, it's, it's like a virus to you. It's like you avoid it at all costs. Read it yourself. Even if your point was accurate, you're still making a fool of yourself. Ask your college professor to explain that. Why are 52,000 Canadians here that we know about fleeing Canada's health, free healthcare system to pay for it again here? I guarantee you, oh, it's only the rich ones that can afford it. So what? Only rich people want good health care? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, Joe, am, am, is no. How is that an analysis that defends your liberal point of view? It makes no sense. <laughs> huh. I, 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 I don't know. You know, sometimes I, sense. I have those clicker pens and I, you know, those, this, and I, I click it so I don't write on my face and I scratch my head with the pen because I'm like, I, it's like a nervous tick sometimes when I deal with this liberal stupidity <laughs> because I don't know. You know, I, I really sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm bothered because I don't know how to break through. It's like this show is designed for persuadable people who are looking for the real world, facts and data and information you can use to defend your position in the real world. But there are some people out there who are just not interested. There is nothing you can say to them to get them to believe that three plus three equals six. Mm-hmm. Nothing. They're insistent that it equals 7.5. You can do like the abacus. You can take out six potatoes and break them into groups in three and three. Nothing is going to change their mind. Okay. Now, that's just one piece, the 52,000 Canadians a year. Here's another one. The largest province in Canada. A study was done. So it's a pretty good sample size. The largest province in Canada has figured out that 80% of its entire budget is going to be consumed by single payer, uh, quote, free health care, Joe, by 2030, up from 46% in 2010. The entire budget. Now, wow. you may say to yourself, "All right, so a free, you know, free healthcare costs a lot of money," which is obviously makes no sense. Right. But if you're a liberal, <laughs> you would say, "Well, free healthcare costs a lot." But these countries all around the world, they do so much better than the United States in healthcare metrics, folks. One that is total, complete garbage. Those studies do not measure survivability rates from cancer. What they do is they skew the numbers by measuring live births differently. So making it out like the United States has a higher mortality rate. In other words, we're not using the same measure for live births. One will measure viability mm-hmm. after a certain amount of days, while the United States does it at the time of birth. So what it does is it skews the the statistics. Anytime you hear something from the liberal left that sounds crazy, it probably is. When they say things like, oh, well, all the studies of quality and of of healthcare around the world, so the United States is at the bottom. That's total garbage. 
you're telling me 50 plus thousand Canadians a year are paying twice for healthcare because our system sucks so bad? Does that make any sense? Of course it doesn't make sense. It's a lie. When you look at actual studies of healthcare, though, this is interesting, Joe. This is from the um, Candace Malcolm piece. Mm-hmm. She writes, when it comes to the final metric, quality of care, because she goes over a few metrics in the piece, Canada lags behind most other developed Western nations. A 2014 report by the Commonwealth Fund ranked Canada 10th out of 11 wealthy countries in, ahead of only the United States in healthcare quality. Remember, you have to be very careful with how they skew this stuff. But this is even using their own data, okay? Mm-hmm. And dead last in timeliness of care. The report showed that 29% of adult Canadians who fell ill and needed to see a specialist waited two months or longer, and 18% waited four months or longer compared with 6% and 7% of Americans, respectively. Interesting, because this lefty research report says we're worse than them, but then proceeds to point out how the Canadians are far worse than us. In other words, you have a damn good chance of having your care rationed to the point where you're dead. I read a report once about how 5% of UK doctors report knowing someone who died on a waiting list. Those are the ones who admit to it. So five out of 100 doctors in the United Kingdom admit to knowing someone who died on a waiting list, compared with 6% or 7% of Americans waiting two months or longer for a specialist. This is the irony of these studies. And here's another quote from the piece. She talks about the costs here. The costs of these systems are typically hidden, folks. People still believe this stuff is free. So she says, second, the system's costs are hidden. Many Canadians and many progressives abroad like to think that the healthcare is, quote, free in Canada, when in fact, Canadian taxpayers pay, on average, $10,500 per year for all their healthcare needs. Canadians simply have no concept of how much the services they consume cost since the CHA, that's the Healthcare Act in Canada passed in the 80s, prohibits providers from ever showing patients the bill. Folks, this is not free. This is costing tens of thousands of dollars to every Canadian a year to sit on a waiting list when you could have paid for it yourself in the United States. A system, by the way, flawed in of itself. You could have paid, and they, many of them choose to come here and pay for that again. It's a total disaster. Now, I could go on for days about how bad single payer is, but folks, I'm telling you, this is going to be an argument in the coming days. All right, I got a couple other things I want to get to here. Um, moving on. Hey, have you signed up yet for CRTV? I read a report today, Joe, on Drudge. 2017, 22 million people are expected to cut the cord on cable. That is amazing. We're a country of only 330 million people. Think about that, Joe. 22 million are planning on cutting the cable cord. Now, what are they doing? They're doing what we're doing at CRTV. They're giving you conservative content for a far cheaper price that you can watch anywhere. You can watch it on your smartphone. You can watch it on your computer. You can watch it on your iPad. You can sling it to your TV. Why pay $200 a month for cable, even more in some cases? Why? Go to CRTV. With my promo code, promo code Bongino, my last name, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, B-O-N-G-I-N-O promo code, you'll get it for less than $10 a month. You get this conservative content. You don't have to worry about any of this other garbage out there. There's so much junk. Just go to CRTV.com, subscribe today, promo code Bongino, and uh, you'll get it for less than $10 a month. You don't have to worry about any of this crap. You can watch it anywhere. So yeah, the cord cutters are growing in number. All right. Um, I saw one story I, I wanted to bring up quick and cover. It was a nice piece in the Wall Street Journal by Jason Riley, who does some good work over there. He's talking about one of these dear colleague letters. These dear colleague letters was a phenomenon that happened in the Obama administration where they didn't want to write anything into law because they knew it wouldn't pass. It would be grossly unpopular. So they would write these letters called dear colleague letters, which would basically threaten people and institutions, but they wouldn't make anything law. 
So one of the things they did, Joe, is they said, hey, listen, we're looking at these public school suspension policies, mm-hmm. and we're not really digging them. Like, you guys are suspending people, and a lot of these people happen to be black. Uh, okay, a lot of these schools were run by principals who were black and teachers who were largely minority. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, keep in mind, no one made any reference to what people were suspended for. So the, uh, the Dear Colleague letter from the Obama administration to the public schools around the country said, we're really not concerned about why you suspended them. We're concerned about disparate impact. In other words, we're concerned about how, what percentage of people suspended are black or Hispanic compared to white. So nobody cares about the reasons, Joe. Right. And by the way, nobody cares about the victims either. Kind of similar to the looting argument liberals make. Like, let's not worry about people stealing from other people mm-hmm. with looting, like our like a goofball Lisa Hymas or at over at the whatever Media Matters, that clown joker calls everybody a racist who talks about looting. Don't worry about the victims of looting. Worry about the race of the people who loot, because you're a racist, Lisa Hymas. That's all you are. I mean, you're, you've always been a racist your whole life. That's all, that's all you can do is where because when you talk about looting, Lisa Hymas thinks black people. No one else thinks that but her. So that's her thing. Um, but don't worry about the victims. In other words, so you get a kid in class who's disruptive, beats up another kid, mm-hmm. won't let any other kids learn. Let's worry about the proportion of people in minority classes who are suspended rather than why people are suspended. Again, the very essence of racism. The Obama administration is saying when you talk about suspensions, obviously we're talking about black people. No, no, you're doing that, not us. We're talking about kids in school who want to learn. So they sent these letters saying, hey, you better be concerned about this. You, if, if you're suspending more black or Hispanic kids and white kids, you better look at this policy. So what happened, Joe? Mm-hmm. Of course, suspensions went down. Hmm. Now, amazing, because we do facts and data on the show. Jason Riley writes, now, after that, what happened? Of course, a liberal policy, which is supposed to, quote, help, just like, quote, free. Uh, you know, again, another word completely made up. We'll have to go to the dictionary in the future for that, is, of course, hurting people. So Riley writes in the journal today, after the L.A. school district, where more than 82% of students are Latino or black, ended suspensions for nonviolent offenses, the district reported that the number of students who said they felt safe in school dropped to 60% from 72%. Oh, that's great. Great policy, Obama. Really nice work there. Really nice work. So let's not suspend kids who are causing a disruption in class. And then it's a percentage of kids who feel safe in school goes down. Nice work there. When Chicago curbed suspensions, students and teachers felt the increased disorder. And following New York City's reforms, making it more difficult to keep disruptive kids out of the classroom, the schools that showed increased fighting, gang activity, and drug use tended to be those with the highest percentage of minority students. Again, not getting rid of drug dealers in school and other things. I mean, how, again, is this helping the black community? Again, another example of liberal nonsense. Oh, it's affecting more kids who are black and Hispanic. Folks, no, conservatives don't care about the race of the people suspended. They care about why they were suspended and the other kids in the classroom. More liberal crap. Now, one of the things, and Riley points this out in the piece, that they're, they're saying has something to do with this, the Obama administration, that is, is, well... It promotes this school to prison pipeline. Like once you suspend the student, he's more likely to have that, you know, that stigma, that Hester Prince scarlet letter over him his entire career. Mm-hmm. But there's no evidence to that at all, Joe. Uh, Riley says, in fact, a March paper posted by the University of Arkansas found that students who had been suspended were actually doing better in math and reading after one year. Suspensions were correlated with improved academic outcomes, the opposite of the chain of uh, negative effects that liberals are reporting. Folks, again, for libs out there listening to the show, don't let any of this get in the way of your arguments, your disingenuous ones. Well, suspensions send people right to prison. 
Uh, did they, do you believe in the death? Do you do any kind of homework at all? The answer is no, Joe. Of course, they just make this up because remember, my narrative. Remember the narrative. We need the narrative. The narrative is conservatives are racist. Everything they do is racist. We're going to put out this dear colleague letter and we're going to let conservatives fight it. Because when conservatives fight it, what's the liberal point going to be? For They're not going to bring up any of the data. They're going to be like, you guys are racist. You want black kids to be suspended. Oh. <laughs> Just like when we talked about looting and this idiot Lisa Hymas wrote the piece like, oh, they must be talking about black people. No, no, you're talking about black people. We're talking about looting, you imbecile. Are you this dumb? This is what we're talking about suspensions. You're talking about black kids being suspended. We're not talking about any of that. You're talking about that. That's a liberal thing because they're racist. It's unbelievable. All right. Uh, what else? Drone. Here's kind of a weird story. And I'm going mm. to wrap it up. I got one more thing at this point. Oh, by the way, one more eight minute abs thing. Headlining drudge today. Yeah. California, the most liberal state in the country. Uh, the highest poverty rate in the country. 20.5% compared to the nationwide rate of 14.7%. Eight minute abs. Eight minute abs. Don't let that get in the way of your na- my narrative. My narrative. California. Very liberal. California, very poor. Don't worry, folks. Don't make the correlation, liberals. Just move along. Ignore that. It's on Drudge today. I'm just going to float that one out there. You can chew on the cut on that one, folks. All right. Uh, this is kind of a creepy story. I saw on Drudge today. Just just uh, quick. There's some lady was in her apartment in Chicago on a high rise on like the 22nd floor, and some drone was creeping in her window. This thing has creeped me out for a long Whoa. time. And I, yeah, and I've kind of wondered about this. Like, If you live in one of those New York City or big city high rises, you have windows everywhere, which most of them do. Mm-hmm. That's kind of creepy, folks. Like, you know, I, people get in their house, they're in their own private time, they do their own thing, whatever. You know, I'm not getting into that, but, you know, you get out of the shower, you don't have a towel on, yeah. and, ooh, all of a sudden there's a drone outside your window. That's kind of creepy. So the dude got arrested uh, when the drone made its way back to the third floor. They must have had some kind of landing, but it's kind of creepy. Like a story I saw, I figured I'd put that out there. Like, that's worried me for a long time. Um, one last thing I wanted to get to, you know, um, my book is out again. I know a lot of people hate it when I mention my book. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, I, I'm very proud of it. I wrote it. It's not available on Amazon now. Uh, it'll be in bookstores September 19th. But I'm just bringing it up because obviously I'd like you to buy it and read it. I put a lot of work into it. But yeah. Hillary's got this book out now, What Happened, which is a total piece of crap. You know, Mitt Romney never wrote a book about the, their loss. McCain didn't write a book about the loss uh, in the election. I mean, you just move on and shut up after an election. It's just kind of a jerk move. <laughs> or write it five, six years from now. I mean, just move on, Hillary. She can't do that. But, you know, Hillary, it's kind of funny because in the book, I address that that medical incident she had on 9-11. I yeah. mean, that's not funny. Um, I'm not that, I mean, I don't wish anybody ill will on anyone. I'm not talking about Hillary for that. But I, I mean, it should say ironic. I'm talking about her, how she now is blaming everyone. But it's interesting how in the book, I cover what should have happened from the Secret Service side when she had that medical incident. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of ironic. Like, she's a blame person. And yet she would have been to blame if that would have broken bad. And I explain why for all of the potential negative medical outcomes. And thank God she was fine. Again, I don't wish ill health on anyone, even my worst political enemy. Um, God forbid. But I don't wish that. But if something would have broken bad during that medical incident, I explain how behind the scenes this would have been a disaster. And I guarantee you she would have blamed the Secret Service. And it's really a shame because this woman has no sense of shame at all. And I discuss one more thing in the book that's come up recently, given the, a lot of the, the uh, lawsuits and the focus on uh, the DOJ's uh, looking at the discrimination against Asian Americans in colleges. I discuss the diversity initiatives within the Secret Service, and I'm using air quotes diversity. And folks, 
how this should really scare you. There are things going on, uh, you know, affirmative action-wise and diversity-wise behind the scenes in the Secret Service that, one, are totally unnecessary. There's more than enough good quality female, black, Hispanic, Asian candidates, but that are actually putting the president in danger. I think it's a real eye-opener. So go pick up the book today. It's called Protecting the President. And uh, thanks, we made it a bestseller a couple times already on Amazon. It's not, even a, it's not even out in the bookstores yet, but it is available on Amazon now. It'll ship it to you in a couple of days. So thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for all the reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate it. And I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.